Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you're my brother, you're my sister. Tell your neighbor, I love you the way you are. Tell someone again, by, I mean, by your side. The other side, say, I, I just love you the way you are. Praise God. And for all of our online church uh, audience this morning, can we show them some love? We love them the way they are. Glory be to Jesus. So whether you are in your living room, you are in a car, you are on the ship, you know, you are on a drilling rig, wherever you may be this morning watching from, we love you the way you are. Whether you are still in your pajamas, where we are in suit here, we love you the way you are. Praise God. One more time, let's appreciate all of our online church members this morning. Praise God. Let me ask your neighbor, how was your week? Make sure you get a response. Uh, if anybody is saying so, so, tell them this is a better week for you. I declare this morning that God is showing up in all the affairs of your life this week. In the precious name of Jesus. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but in the morning comes joy. I declare as you step into this week, your morning of joy is here. Everything that has engendered earthache, any trouble, as you get into this week, we're praying, agreeing by faith with you that there shall be divine interventions this week. Amen. Where doors have been shut, doors will be opened this week. Amen. I cannot hear believing amen. amen. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. If you've not been around a while, we started a teaching series last Sunday that we've tagged Stronger Together. We are emphasizing the need for unity, connectedness, and the fact that God has invested providential help into synergy, oneness, unity, and wherever people do stuff together, do life together without schism, animosity, or bitterness. You will see the hand of God there. We encouraged ourselves last Sunday to focus on how we can build homes, workplaces, businesses, organizations and churches and families where we can be connected as much as possible and we can embrace the spirit of unity and allow God to do the things that he wants to do in our lives. In this service this morning as we progress with this teaching series, I'll be speaking on what we've titled Loving Our Differences. Loving Our Differences. Loving Our Differences. The truth is that we have all come to terms with the fact that not one single individual is the same with another one. God deliberately gave us features that makes us unique. Unique, a unique person. We all have unique identifiers. So we do, we're many, but we're unique in our individual rights. And God was deliberate about making us unique in our individual right. And that uniqueness comes with what we call difference. So our fingerprints are not just different. Our worldviews are different. We have different idiosyncrasies. We, 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 we don't reason the same way. We don't even talk the same way. Some talk very fast. Some talk slowly. Some are very extroverted. Some are very introverted. Um, some people 
would prefer a church where there's no music or dancing at all. Yeah. So such people, they just cope with us here. Yeah. They just cope with this, this church. Yeah. Why some people will prefer that a church should rock like the club. Yeah. Where there's more than enough dancing, the music is off the chart, you know, the whole place vibrating. I've had people come to this church who will meet me after the service and say, can you tell them to tone down the music? Yeah. You know, it's not very good for the ears when it's too loud. You see, the way some such people talk, they manage their tone of voice. It's not very good for the ear when it's too loud. And as a pastor, I just said, yeah. I will talk to them. I've come to terms with the fact that for the rest of my life, until I go into retirement, I will pastor different kinds of people, different ethnicity, different tribe, different worldview. And one of the greatest, you know, challenge of leadership is how you blend all that together and lead in collectivity and connectedness and direct a people towards achieving a goal. Despite the fact that if they're left to themselves, they will want to go in their different directions. And that's, that's what complicates leadership for us sometimes. But uh, His grace is always sufficient. Praise God. And if you're listening to me here this morning, you lead a home, you lead in an organization, whether for profit or not for profit, you lead, you know, anything at all. You have to be willing to face the same challenge. Trusting in God for the spirit of understanding and grace to always make decisions that will move the organization forward. I will say that this morning. I want us to understand that diversity exists in all spheres of life, in all spheres of life, and in different shades and formats. So when we talk about diversity, we're talking about uh, demographics. We're talking about age bracket. We're talking about socioeconomic uh, uh, differences. Uh, in, in the book of James chapter 2, when you read from verse 1 to 4, uh, James chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, can, can you put that up for me? The Bible was talking about how we manage socioeconomic differences within um, a church or, or the collective of a believer. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. It says, for if there should be, there should come into your assembly a man with gold ring in fine apparel, and there should also come in, in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to them, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my foot too. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? In this passage of the scripture, I can't read any, any further because of time, but in this passage of the scripture, we see that God was challenging us through the Apostle James, the fact that we will be susceptible to being partial sometimes, and if we are aware of it, then we can take care of it. Now in a gathering like this, all kinds of people washed by the same blood, children of the living God, will come together. And we have to be open as much as we can with grace of God helping us, the grace of God helping us to be able to accommodate everybody. 
One of the reasons why in this church, for instance, I mean, where all of us sit on the same kind of chair is James chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Some people have asked me before. <laughs> Some people have asked me before, ah, how come, you know, the pastor's chairs are not different? The roles of the pastors are different, uh, but the chairs don't have to be different. The Bible says that mark them that, you know, that work among you or that uh, uh, saddle the responsibilities among you and say you should honor them. Yeah, honor them. That honor shows in different ways depending on where you are. In some places, the honor may mean that while all of us are sitting on soft seats this morning, the pastors will have leather settees to sit on. Yeah, that we honor them. There's nothing bad in that. I'm not knocking that by any means. I'm just saying that that in itself can be misconstrued in one way or the other. And in places like this where we all sit on the same chair, we also stand another risk of such honor not being accorded to whom honor is due. Because, you know, we are all the same. So we need to be careful here and there and not be quick to judge. Not be quick to judge. That's the whole idea of, of this morning service. How do we love our differences? How do we start to celebrate our differences? So in James 2, verse 1 to 4 there, the, the, the writer of the book of James focused on socioeconomic difference. Somebody is rich, somebody is poor. Somebody came to church on Okada. Okada, by the way, is uh, motorbikes that we use here for transportation in Lagos. Uh, I, I am still one of such people who feel that we should reduce it drastically. Yeah. Apart from the factor of safety is that the world has moved on so seriously beyond that. Especially in the metropolis, uh, we should try to reduce it. Praise God. I said praise God. So some people came to church this morning, trek a distance. Some people came in public transportation. Some people drove their own cars. We have those economic differences, socioeconomic differences. But, you know, the most important thing is the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Because that blood, when it has done a bit of work on my mind, it makes me stronger in my mind so that I don't feel inferior because I walked to church, I jumped down from a bus while somebody drove his BMW or Mercedes-Benz passed me. We are all children of the Most High God. The same price that Jesus paid for me, he paid for you. It's my choice whether I feel beneath you, and it's your choice whether you feel because of what you ride, uh, um, you're now higher than those of us who don't ride the same thing. Please follow me carefully this morning. I know I may be going in all kinds of directions and knocking um, some people, and I'm not intending to knock anyhow this morning. I'm no road rage this morning. Just, I'm just going carefully. Praise God. I just, I just needed to follow me carefully uh, so that we can land in the same place. Praise God. So there are all kinds of differences that we need to manage. Age, race, temperament, culture, status, beliefs. In this part of our own world, we had tribe. Tribe, you know, our tribal differences need a lot of management. 
even here in our nation, Nigeria, when it comes to church, some people label some churches evil churches. Some people label some churches Yoruba churches. Yeah. I think it was last year or so that uh, I got information. Um, um, one young man in this church who was becoming a little bit overbearing and um, really not putting himself together quite well, decided, though he apologized for it, uh, but I'm just mentioning it not because it's an issue, but just as a summer material, yeah. <laughs> you know, decided to go on Facebook to call our church a Yoruba church. And that because it's not from the Southwest, we have decided to marginalize him and, he, you know, uh, said all kinds of things about uh, the Elevation Church. I was protected from reading it, but I heard about it. I never read it, but I heard about it. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 the truth was that he came back to apologize, you know, and um, he came for, to collect Christmas jollof. Uh, some people went to meet him. Are you not the same person that wrote about us on Facebook? And he said, I've repented. <laughs> and since, you know, when we're doing Christmas Jollof, that big package for families who couldn't afford stuff for Christmas, he came and picked his own and all that. Uh, I said, you see, why not Yoruba Church? Why Jesus Church? And this thing is for everybody. And he collected his own. And nobody stopped him from it. But it was just the moment of indiscretion. He was angry and he did that. So such things happen. Sometimes, you, you know, we get infuriated, we get angry, and the next thing we're saying is, where is that person from? Just to buttress our point. The person who did bad to you. The moment they say the person is from maybe Niger Delta. They say, hey, we have said it. You see, all the South-South people, these are the kind of people that we're talking about. They are very militant. Militancy is in their, you know, people talk like that. And you cringe when people talk like that. Because if militancy is in their blood, where's Boko Haram from? <laughs> I thought Boko Haram should have come from that side. If it's only Niger Delta and South South people that have militancy in their blood. All of us have militancy in our blood. <laughs> That's the truth. It's the person that you push to the world that responds back. Yeah. If you want to know whether you have militancy in your blood or not, let somebody push you to the world. Let's see if you will know. Praise God. So we have all kinds of diversities that exist within our sphere. Diversity is necessary, and Jesus modeled it uh, in his own life and the, the construct that he put around him. Uh, what we saw around Jesus modeled diversity. Uh, diversity in God's perspective is very essential to life. You know, we read last Sunday, uh, Samuel 33 from verse 1, message translation, he said, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It means that it's not, never going to be a natural course of events for brothers and sisters to get along. But God said, when we work out our differences and we get along, I will invest my blessing there. He said, the Bible says, God commands his blessing there, life forevermore. Yeah you know, just his blessings rest upon that place. When we look at the example of Jesus, for instance, please follow me carefully. Uh, Jesus had the first set of people 
that he put together. His gang, the 12 disciples. The 12 disciples of Jesus, when we look at it as an example, because we're supposed to follow after Christ, Paul encouraged us in his writing. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if you want to follow after Christ, we need to examine how he lived his own life and the construct that he had around him. The 12 disciples of Jesus, uh, these are their names. You have Simon, uh, was also called Peter. Andrew, his brother. They were both fishermen. Both of them. That was their trade. Uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Two other fishermen. Yeah. You know. Philip and Bartholomew. I think those two also had maybe one thing or the other in common. But the first two were seemingly ordinary men. They did their business around the Sea of Galilee, which was the high street of Jesus' day. The bulk of the business went on around that place. When he wanted to call them, he went to that place to call them. They weren't technocrats. They were just entrepreneurs at the lowest rung of the ladder. Then we move further. Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. He must have had some skills in accounting. At least he was able to collect money, give account for it, calculate it, you know, and all that. So we're getting to the level where we could say Jesus had some technocrats in his crew. Yeah. He had some technocrats in his crew. Matthew had to be trained to work for the Roman government as a tax collector. When they looked at Peter and John, you know what the Bible says in the book of Acts of the Apostles? It said they were ignorant and unlearned men. And by the time after Jesus left, I think that's Acts 13 or so, the, the Bible, Acts 4 and verse 13, Acts 4 and verse 13, the Bible says they looked at them, they saw they were ignorant and unlearned men, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Bible says in Acts 4 and 13, it said, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled what being with Jesus had done to them. They knew them before as fishermen around the Sea of Galilee. But after Jesus was true with them, the Bible says they became a marvel. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So this underscores the fact that these guys were ordinary guys, uneducated, unlearned, put side by side with the like of Matthew, the tax collector, educated and learned, the same team. If you go further on that uh, same examining the team of Jesus, you will see another person there that is called Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. The Zealot happened to be a group an ideology, ideological group of uh, um, critics or freedom fighters, you can call them. The record had it that up to 70 AD, before they were dissolved, they were the toughest opposition to the Roman government. And anywhere there was Roman occupation, the zealots gathered together to fight the Roman government with their blood. So, you know that someone like Simon the Zealot must have been extremely opinionated, especially around anything that had to do with Roman superiority and occupation. So how do you place Matthew the tax collector who had worked all his life for the Roman government 
and must have aligned with Roman idiosyncrasies side by side with Simon the, the Zealot on the same team. That was a melting point. Melt, melting pot, I mean. Yeah. Those were the kind of people that Jesus pulled together. With someone like Thomas the Didymus, the one who doubted anybody, including God. Everybody. Yeah. And the same team. So someone like Thomas who looked at all of them and said, are you sure you are present? He said, yes, we're here. He said, touch me, tap me, so that I can know you are, you are in church this morning. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of person. You, 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 I'm just saying this for you to see. You know, we have Judas, the son of James, and then Judas Iscariot. One young man says, uh, wanted to call Judas Iscariot, said, Judas and Cariot. And the boy was afraid that if I eat too much carrot, I can become a betrayer. So, Judas is carrot. Um, when you see someone like Judas is carrot, uh, his name is also a bit significant because his surname, for instance, uh, is carrot simply means man of carrot. Man of Cariot. It's just like our brothers from the north. Someone bearing Usman Kotangora, for instance. You all already know that it's from Kotangora, which is a city. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's the kind of thing that Judas, Judas is Cariot, means Judas, man of Cariot. And Cariot uh, um, is in a place that is in southern Judea. Scholars add this to say about Judas is Cariot. Apart from all the other differences, there was one thing about Judas that was different, especially this Judas. Jesus had two Judases, by the way, on his team. There's Judas, the, 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 uh, um, the son of James, and then Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot happened to be the only disciple of Christ that was not from Galilee. He was from Cariot. Or Cariot. You see that uh, in the book of Joshua and different places, they mention that city in northern Judea. They were all Jews, but they were not from the same place. And they said the problem of Judas started from the fact that he felt like he was not totally accepted because he was out of the Galilean clique. You remember Jesus calling most of them? He called them around the Sea of Galilee. They all grew up in the same vicinity, but not Judas Iscariot. Plus all the other things about Judas Iscariot, the fact that he couldn't keep his eyes off the post. And the fact that perhaps he wasn't telling anybody because there was no connection, adequate connection. He paid more attention to the differences than leveraging them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I felt like if when Judas was getting tempted about you know, picking money, you know, and all that. Judas should have at least mentioned to somebody, ah, I, I, I took extra $100 yesterday, and, you know, I prayed, Shall God has forgiven me, you know, and then maybe that person will mention it to Jesus, say, ah, this boss is struggling, you know, maybe we should transfer this post to Matthew, the tax collector, uh, at least he has some accounting skills, then Jesus may say, ah, that boy, when he was tax collector, he was still, you know, let's look for somebody else. Uh, maybe, you know, all those kind, that, those kind of conversations would have been going on, just profiling everybody. But this guy just sat with this thing and was struggling with it. 
When Judas was going to betray Jesus, he had a private meeting with the chief priest, you know, and all that, and high priest and all of them. He never mentioned anything to one of the twelve. How can you be a part of a group of twelve and you act a plan all by yourself? Not even thinking, what about if the plan will not work out? Shouldn't I get a collaborator? I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying this morning. Have you been on a team of 12 before? Even on a board where you're just 10 or 8? And you had an idea you want to share with someone. To get a collaborator. To see how we can then convince the other people. Maybe even, you know, Judas was a one-man rouse called. It meant that it never really fully connected. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying this morning. Extremely important. How do we love our differences and embrace our differences rather than allowing them to pull us apart? How do we do that? Embracing our diversity. Let's, let's, let's check out this moment of truth. Why do you have a problem with people who are different? Have you asked yourself that question before? Why do you get easily ticked off when somebody's talking too much and you are introverted? Why do you get easily ticked off when somebody stands beside you in church and started, you know, digging it, dancing, you know, all that, and you are just crossing your leg and that? What's wrong with all these ones? You know, <laughs> let me tell you a story quickly. Quickly. I've told the story before, but it just came to my mind. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use it for somebody here. One day, I was, you know, in the Lekki Peninsula here, Lekki Phase 1. I was in this barbing salon in Lekki Phase 1. As I got into the salon, a young man was sitting down. You must have heard the story from me before. Yeah. A young man was sitting down and was doing manicure and pedicure. So there were two ladies working on him. One was holding his hand. And the other one was working on his leg, on his foot. When I got in, I was sitting down before it was my turn for bathing my hair. In my mind, if you know the way I dealt with that man, <laughs> ah, I was like, ah, ah, what kind of human being is I, ah, How can two women be touching you? I, I'm, see, I'm just confessing my sin to you. Yeah. How can two women be touching you? And you have your own wife at home. Somebody's touching your hand. Somebody's touching your leg. In my mind, what, what kind of a man even do finger, do knee? You know, I was just, I, I had gone a wire. In fact, I think at the point, I brought the man to the gate of heaven. And probably trying to wonder what the angels would tell him when they see his finger and his leg, and that women were touching him that way. So, you know when a woman went to meet Jesus and was touching him and all that? The people were criticizing her. They were like me. Some of us just feel, you know, somehow about all those things. I so much berated this guy and criticized him on my mind. But you know what happened? So after a while, they said, I should come and bow. And I went under, I mean, I went on the seat and decided to me. And this guy finished everything that he was doing. And then he came. Good afternoon, Pastor. Wait, wait. No, it has not finished. It has not finished. Wait, wait. 
I've paid for your haircut. I've been so blessed by your ministry. I heard the singles ministry in our church. And I think I will want to invite you to come and speak to our singles. I sat down there and I said, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, 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 please, Jesus. Just this once, just forgive me. The guy was a minister in his church. Was pastor in charge of singles ministry. Yeah, in a church in this city. Was a great guy. A married man. With wife and children. He was neither a fornicator nor an adulterer. He was just different from me. That's all. Now, I know I am not alone on that subject matter. I am not. I have a witness in my spirit. There are many people here who will have done either the same or more. So, can we check ourselves, really? Why do you have a problem with people who are different? Can I say something this morning? As our church grows bigger, and thank God God is enlarging our course, we have a bigger auditorium that we start to use from next Sunday. All kinds of people will come into this church. As your business grows bigger, you have to deal with all kinds of people from around the world. If, you, if God will answer the prayer in your heart, the amount of diversity that you have to deal with will explode. Some people are here, middle-level managers, senior management. You want to become the MD of a multinational company. Do you know the amount of diversity you have to deal with? That you have to deal with your biases and idiosyncrasies and make your worldview broader so that God can use you more and you can be a blessing in that industry? Some people are here this morning, single. You're trusting God to be married and have your own family. Family, building a family will mean that you have to be able to cope with diversity. A young couple met me after the first service this morning. Uh, the guy introduced his wife to me and said, my wife is from, is, you know, southeastern south part of the country. He's a Yoruba guy. And sometimes I was saying this on social media, on Twitter. And he responded to me. And then he told me that he's a member of this church. And I said, okay, so say hello to me after one of the services. So they greeted me after first service. And I was so happy to see them. They said, we have our issues, but we're coping. I said, that's how it is. Even if you marry from the same tribe, you will still have your issues. Because diversity and differences is not just localized to tribe. Yeah. It's not just localized to tribe. We have issues. Issues. We won't all be the same. So, what people don't understand, what we have realized is that they criticize, just like I did with that guy. What you don't understand, you criticize. Some people, what they don't understand, they mystify. What some people don't understand, they demonized. Yeah. Because I already demonized that guy in my mind. It must be a fornicator for two women to be touching him, head and toe, or finger and toe. 
What you don't understand, you demonize. What you don't understand, you mystify. What you don't understand, you criticize. And we need to develop strength in our innermost being to be able to say, what I don't understand, I seek for understanding. Or I trust God to just give me grace to pull through it. Because we ask ourselves the question, why can't this person be patient? Why, you know, and this person says, it's a man, why is he behaving like that? And that, you know, how can this be the MD? You know, how can this be the manager that I work with? This one. A hatred for diversity does not reflect a love for the one who created it. Can I say that one more time? Hatred for diversity does not reflect the love for the one that created it. And I'm talking about God. Because God is the author of diversity. He created diversity. God created diversity. In Genesis 11, when you read from verse 6, the Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel, God created diversity. He said, let us go down, verse 6 of Genesis 11, and just scatter their language. And the Lord said, indeed, these people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they... What, what they begin to do, now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, verse 7 says, come let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. What God did there, you think that it was a bad thing, but it was a good thing that he did for us. Because those people would have stayed in that one place, building the Tower of Babel, the whole world would have been located just in one place. The more diverse we are, the more difference, the more ideology, the more, when we put everything together, we'll build a better world. Say amen, somebody. Amen. God is the author of diversity. He gave us different languages. Language is the foundation, one of the foundations for diversity. Personality types are another foundation for diversity. And God created everything. He was the author of everything. And you cannot claim to hate what he created while you love him. That's a mistake that we make as Christians all of the time. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 10, God showed up. It was a big deal to God. He showed up to Peter. I think verse 11, 12, thereabout, when you, Acts, of, Acts of the Apostles chapter 10, Peter, the Bible says, in the earlier part of that chapter, Cornelius was a man, a centurion. When you read Acts of the Apostles chapter 10 from verse 1, Cornelius had an encounter with God. Had an encounter with God. The Bible says he was a centurion, a Roman soldier of the Italian regiment. He had an encounter with God where God said, your hands and prayers have come to me as a memorial. Cornelius was a religious man who did not know God. But his heart was so good that God reckoned with his prayers, two things he did, prayers, which you can do religiously without knowing God, that was what he was doing. He was giving alms without knowing God, but God reckoned with them based on the sincerity of his heart and reached out to him. He said, send people to Joppa, to the house of Simon, uh, Etana. He said, there's a Simon Peter that lived in his house. I was just squatting in his house, or staying there for a while. Send people to bring him. It's time for salvation to come into your house. And what happened? Cornelius sent people to Joppa, to the house of Simon Etana. Simon Peter was there. The apostle Peter was there. The Bible says, you know, around verse 10 of Acts chapter 10, uh, that uh, uh, Simon had been fasting, and at the time he, wanted to, he was hungry, and then he wanted to eat, verse 10. Uh, but while 
he made, they made ready, preparing food for him, he fell into a trance. He had an encounter with God. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound in four corners descended to him and let down to the earth. And uh, in it were all kinds of four-footed beasts, four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. The Bible says the voice came a second time, a third time. Peter said the same thing. Peter was quoting back to God. For instance, from, I think, Leviticus 20 and 25, you know, uh, Leviticus 15, you see there where God told Israel, don't eat these kind of animals, the one without hooves, the one, you know, these uh, non-ruminant animals, don't eat them. God gave them all kinds of specifications. Peter was saying, I'm just following the law of Moses. I don't eat all those things. And Paul, uh, uh, God was telling Peter, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. Peter, dispensation has changed. Yeah. In the Old Testament, God was only the God of the Jews. In the New Testament, dispensation changed. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11 said, because it's Paul writing, he said, for there's no difference between the Jews and the Greeks. The same Lord overall is good unto all that call upon his name. Yeah. So there's no distinction between the Jews and the Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon his name. That was a, a groundbreaking statement. When you make that kind of statement to a Jew. All through the Old, Old Testament, God was known as God of the Jews only and not of the Gentiles. His name was called Yahweh. The God of the Jews. Jesus came, broke the middle wall of separation that separated us from God, and we all became part of the family. So when Paul came, Peter was going to resist Paul. Before Peter would, I mean, Paul would, came, God gave Peter an encounter that would change his worldview and his idiosyncrasies. Gave him an encounter. That encounter made Peter's heart to open up to diversity. You can, can you imagine if sitting down here this morning, all of us were from only one tribe wearing the same kind of clothes and all of us maybe had to shave our hair so we all had gorimapa, you know what they call that, yeah? God hair. We look exactly the same that's the way some people, that's the religion. Like the Old Testament. That's the way some people want us to be. But thank God for the church of today. Someone had dreadlocks. We're going to have plenty of them as this gallery will be filled up. Yeah. You'll see all kinds of people in this church. People with tattoos, tattoo on the cheek, tattoo on the. If you like, hide them. Your God will close your eyes. Yeah. And help you to look properly. Because the same God of the pious is the same God of the noisy. Yeah. The same God of the people who look prim and proper is the same God of the people who like to be free. If I can put it that way with the addressing. Yeah. 
But when we come together under the umbrella of God, the Holy Spirit is our unifier. Is the one that touches the heart of everyone. It's not about how you look at them. If your look will not fill them with the Holy Ghost, stop looking. Yeah. Because the Holy Ghost is the unifier. We all need to come to that place of acceptance. Glory be to Jesus. The law of love demands that we love people. When Peter got to the house of Cornelius, fast forward. The Bible says, while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them. Ah, Peter said, truly, I now know that God is not a respecter of person. But everyone who fear him is okay with them. He said, ah, who can now resist us from baptizing these people? Knowing that the Holy Ghost already came upon them. Yeah. Because in the old, in, in the olden days, when you baptize people, you brought them into a family. That was how Cornelius and his household became believers in Christ Jesus. God broke the middle wall of perdition that separated us from God. So, how do you embrace diversity? Yeah. How do you embrace diversity? Seek understanding. When you are accepting people and their differences, you can become a blessing to them and day to you. So we need to seek understanding. That's the first thing. We seek understanding. We seek understanding. Seek to understand people before you want them to understand you. You seek to understand them first. Manage your biases. The fact that people are different from you does not make them inferior to you. Yeah. The fact that people are different from you does not make them inferior to you. Appreciate the uniqueness of purpose. We are all a part. We all have a part to play in God's divine plan. So don't overestimate your own strength because when strength is taken too far, it becomes a weakness. Yeah. Don't overestimate your own strength or underestimate other people's values. It's very important. Another thing I want to add to it is that you cannot and you were not designed to do everything. So what happens is that without diversity, there won't be meritocracy. Because we won't say, who else can do this? Or who can do it better? Are you still with me today? Also, I'll say forgive. Be willing to forgive past, present, and future wrongs. Don't let past odds lead you in, into uh, bigotry. Because the moment we cannot forgive, we get hooked in the same place. So let's take it up a notch. Don't just embrace diversity, celebrate it. See the beauty in our differences and deliberately let's go out for diversity. Look for somebody who is different from you this week. Greet them very well. You know, anytime I see somebody who, for instance, color their hair, I go after them to greet them and celebrate them. Because it means we're so different. Yeah. If, you, if, if I'm dead and you color my hair, I'll wake up. <laughs> yes. And why don't I color my hair? I don't have the courage to do so. You have the courage to do it 
you must be much more courageous than me. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying this morning. Yeah. Because some people, if somebody color their hair, how can somebody color in their hair? Uh, this one, uh, a demon will be in that color. That's the traditional way Christians think. And it's holding us back. It takes courage to carry colored hair. Let me tell you the truth. Because as you are walking on the street, people are looking at you. How many people want people to look at them that way? That's why your hair is not colored. So when you see somebody who colored their hair, say, ah, ah, big courage. I salute you. That's the way I think about it. Glory be to Jesus. So this week, our to-do list. Yeah. One, stop interpreting differences as bad. Seek understanding. Yeah. Two, esteem differences. Show love to people different from you. Just like what I just described. Just show love to them. Yeah. Anytime I see a couple in Anko, you know what we call Anko? I go out of my way to greet them. Because I cannot remember the last time my wife and I were Anko. And it's not because we are not yummy, yummy and romantic. And code just doesn't, just does me somehow. I don't have the courage for it so often. So what, last Sunday, I still went to meet a young couple in this church in Anko. And I encouraged them, keep wearing it. You are still just married. Some of us are struggling to wear it. So please wear it. No, it's true. Praise God. No more hate speech. Across family line, tribal line, political line, the fact that somebody is in a different political party does not make you better than them. It's just different worldview or different alignment. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? We won't all think the same way and we must embrace our differences. Will you... Lift your two hands to heaven and make sure it touches somebody's hand. Say, we are joining hands together on the upper side. Will you join your hands to somebody as you lift it up this morning all over this place? Make sure you are holding somebody's hand if you can as you lift it this morning. Lord Jesus, our hands are lifted as a church here this morning. Staying connected with one another. Touching each other with the feelings of each other's infirmities and our weaknesses and our strengths. We stand under your umbrella, under the shed blood of Jesus Christ this morning to proclaim that the Elevation Church shall be one body under you. A church without schism, without tribalism. We celebrate our differences. We embrace our differences. We love our differences. And we celebrate you as the one in us who is making us to will and to do of your good pleasure. This morning, we rub up on each other. We extend grace to each other. For everyone watching on the internet, we extend grace to each other. We believe in each other. We help each other. We lift each other. And we create a new model for the world around us. And especially for our nation. We thank you for the blessing of unity that is coming upon every family here. Every enterprise here. As we go into a new week and we embrace and celebrate diversity, we refuse to look down on people, 
we work with our colleagues with open heart we celebrate their differences we ask that you pour your blessing over us let our past draw fatness this week let your grace be released over everyone we thank you for peace in every home peace in every office peace in every neighborhood we thank you for people who will re-embrace their neighbors and extend grace to them we thank you for people who will re-embrace their colleagues at work and, and, and extend grace to them this week we thank you for the spirit of love flowing in the midst of us we ask that you take all the glory in the name of Jesus somebody celebrate